Oh, hands down, man. Hands down, I see it's a great cup winning team, man. I can I can kind of get that feel already. And with all the weapons we got, there's no reason we shouldn't win. He's Chaz. I'm Balls. Welcome to The Waggle. And don't forget, as always, The Waggle brought to you by Chaz, your favorite barbershop and mine, Sport Clips. Oh, Ballsy, I always, always, you always got to go with the with the MVP. The MVP, that's my, that's my go-to. The MVP haircut, that gives me the shampoo, massage, a little steam towel. Kick back, watch my sports. I go for the fresh baldy, you know, like you know, fresh baldy with the with the hot steam. My sports, a little hockey, baseball, basketball, of course, football. And I call them, they call them legendary haircuts. For me, my bald head's not legendary, but I seen the other guys in the shop getting fresh. Some of them are legendary. Sport clips. Yeah, and you're an and you're and you're an MVP, so you are tailor made for the sport clips. MVP haircut experience, my friend. And you know what else? Guess what? If you like free just as much as I like free, this is why I like going to dinner with Chez, because Chez generally picks up the tab when we go out for dinner. But if you like free as much as I do, make sure you visit cfl.ca slash waggle to get yourself a free MVP haircut for first-time customers. Sport clips, you know what it's good, Chezzy? It's good to be a guy these days. Find a sport clips near you at sportclips.ca. Hey, Charleston Hughes is going to join us uh, this week. I had a chance to catch up with Charleston uh, not long after he signed with the Riders. Uh, we got that conversation coming up with you. But this week, Chaz, we did our touchdowns for uh, for the offseason and free agency. This week, we had our touch. Last week, we had our touchdowns. This week, we're punting. We've got our punts for this week, our misses. So we've got that coming up. But the big news, I think, Chez, that we got to get to is a month. Oh, can I share? Can I read you? Can I read you something? Can I share something with Talk you? Talk to me. So, Talk to me. so a month ago, a month ago, a little over a month ago, about six weeks ago, James Wilder Jr. issued a statement, basically saying, "Quote." Today I am announcing that I have decided to sit out the 2018 CFL season in order to train and work in the U.S. in order to better provide for my family. Like He's sitting out. He basically, right there, there's the statement. It's a decision I've prayed on while speaking at length with the people closest to me, including my mentors. I wish it could be different. I don't want to put my football dreams aside, but as the father of four, playing for $56,000 Canadian, about $45,000 U.S. without any protection from career-ending injury isn't enough to give my family comfort. And I've received expressions of interest from several NFL teams and I've reached out to the Argonauts on multiple occasions, but I've been told they won't allow me to pursue those opportunities. They are also unwilling to renegotiate my contract to reflect the value I believe I bring onto the team. Now he goes on a little more on that, but that was January 24th. Strong, strong words in that statement from Argos running back James Wilder. Guess what? Talk to me. Guess what? This week, the Argos signed James Wilder to a two-year contract extension through the 2019 season. 
Let me drop some. What happened to sitting out? <laughs> I, I, w- I will use this old, this, old one, this old term I love to use. When I heard James Wilder say he was going to sit out, I used this term. Oh, man, kill it. If, <laughs> if. I believe they called that squash it back in the 90s, yeah, right? Kick rocks. <laughs> the, reality, kick rocks. the reality is. And I like James. I like James is a good, a good young man and a good man. He's a, well, I'm a good man, but James is a good dude, man. And he, and he, I think he, I got where he's coming from. I think you know, I've been pretty outspoken on my opinion of how he handled it. I didn't, I didn't like it. Doesn't mean that uh, I don't have. Uh, I'm not happy to see James back in the league because he's a good player and and a fun, a fun guy. So. But I didn't like how he handled the situation. All and that being said, I'm extremely surprised um, that the Argos re-signed him, or, or, or I don't want to say caved to his request or demands, but they somewhat did. And you know, he asked, but then he also what Jim said. So they didn't they didn't completely cave because what Jim said was, if you want more money, James, you have to add. A year to your contract, which is what he did. He signed a two-year deal, which so it's fair. Uh, he has to play this year, but now he has to play another year after that. And uh, you know, one thing that that is not often talked about is James had several NFL opportunities before before he came up to Canada. He was in I think three different camps, and and uh, you know didn't didn't have uh, success in those. A year older and a year up in in Canada, I don't think that your game would have changed that much. Although he was extremely effective, so uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. There was a, you know, who knows what would have happened if he got the chance to go down south. Uh, but uh, I'm surprised that he was allowed to, um, or I'm surprised the Argos took him back. I'm not surprised he's in the CFL. I'm surprised he he went back to the Argos after all that was said. You, I just too strong. Yeah. Just too strong when you're when you're coming at somebody like that, right? It's I'm sitting out for the entire season because you won't pay me enough, and now here you are being paid enough. And um, you know, obviously, uh, <laughs> he he got what he wanted. The Argos, I think, to a degree, got what they wanted in terms of keeping the CFL's Rookie of the Year uh, back with the fold, and and they get another year as well with. They obviously feel is a manageable number, but do you go down this road again if James Wilder has another great season, or uh, where does it all go from there? I just, yeah, I think it was just poorly handled. I guess the concern, if you're the Argos, is this: what does this set for a precedent now for other players if you have a dynamic breakthrough season, right? Like, does this create now a trickle down effect? Well, if, if you're going to do it for him. You got to do it for me, right? Well, you're, you're opening Pandora's box, and that's that's, that's it. The, that's the situation. But Jane, here's the deal. Here's the one. Here's the one caveat to the whole situation. He added a year to his contract, so he did not get out of his contract and and have the opportunity to go to the NFL. He had to add a year, which I believe, and and any most GMs would have would offer that to anybody, regardless of what your contract situation says. If you want a raise and if your play um, dictates a raise, then go. Sure, we'll extend you, but we're going to extend you. We're not just going to give you a raise. We're going to extend you, meaning if you have one year left on your deal, we're going to bump your pay, but we're going to make it you're going to have two years now. Or if you have two, we're going to bump your pay and make it three. So I played with a guy back in the day, no names, no blame, who 
I think at one time had a five-year deal. He just kept extending after every year because he, he needed the cash, and he just kept extending, extending, extending. I mean, at one point, I think he was on like a five-year contract. He was a hell of a player, but he just kept – I mean, and Jim just kept on – he kept coming the offseason asking for a, a, some money in the offseason. Jim said, hey, you want money? I'm, I have to extend you. And he just kept extending and extending. So I think both sides win in that case. Obviously, not handling um, the finances all that well, but uh, – uh, who am I to talk? <laughs> but uh... well, <laughs> no. But if you're if you're getting to, if the league, if the team is ultimately getting the term that they feel that's a manageable number, you're keeping a guy under club control. I guess that's a win for the team. Uh, and as long as the player is happy with the dollar amount that they're con- they're content with, then okay. But what's to say that this is all of a sudden next year? Oh, you know what? I've had more NFL teams call me again, and I'd like to go pursue them. And $100,000 isn't, I can't afford to make $100,000 with four kids. I need to make more in these NFL opportunities. I'd say this, you know, at the end of the day, I thought, you know, well, you're going to come off that strong. And then five weeks later, you're re-upping like that. You look a little silly. I don't care how you try (laughs) to shine it up. You know, I guess it's posturing. I guess it's all part of a negotiation ploy. Whatever it may be, you look a little silly when you try to come that strong on it. Nevertheless, James Wilder got what he wanted where he's effectively, it sounds like based on various reports, he's almost doubled his first year CFL salary and the Argos get a win by keeping him under contract, who's a guy who's a 25-year-old back or 26 now, uh, for two more years, Chez. So I guess in an element, there's there's a win-win for both sides. Because of his, his success, his postseason awards, because the Argos won the Grey Cup, he, if the Argos, if he makes his salary his hundred grand this year and the Argos come third in the East and, and, don't, uh, and don't advance to the Eastern Final, he will make the same amount as he made last year. He made almost very close to $100,000 last year with All In. The reports are the, the numbers that he was talking about were a base contract, not including his bonuses that he made for um, All-Star or the, the, the Rookie of the Year for the uh, he also was the <clears throat> he also won the Grey Cup, which adds another thirty k or twenty five in your pocket. So all those things added in, he made almost a hundred thousand dollars. So he won't make much more unless the Argos happen to win the Grey Cup this year, and he happens to have all those postseason um, awards, which are hard to do. We know that. So anyway, uh, he's back, and on a good on a good note, uh, he's he seemed to be a fan favorite. He's, you can't uh, argue his success and what he did. So uh, I'm certain that uh, Jim is happy to have him back. I don't know. Uh, I know Tress fairly well, and I, he's I've, he's never said this to me, and I have no knowledge of it at all. But when I when I look at some of the things that James Wilder does and how he handles himself, I can't see him being a uh, a Tressman guy. I mean, I'm sure Tress will deal with it, but I don't. I'm pretty certain that he Tress wouldn't be beating down doors to to have James Wilder back. I I could almost guarantee that. But I mean, he still it is it is what it is. He's a good back, and maybe there's no one else. But I'm certain that that uh, hey, that's the case. Hey, hey, Chess, how about this one though? Victor Butler, eyes on you. Victor Butler is, is Victor Butler going to get paid like this now? After his comments. 
Victor Butler is, will not be back in the Canadian Football League. <laughs> I'm pretty certain. <laughs> I think that, I'm pretty certain. Yeah. But uh, then again, what's more likely? Yeah. To, what's more likely to happen? You participating in the Grey Cup fit up less than 200 days away, <laughs> or hey, Victor here, Butler playing by the Argos this year? <laughs> what's more? What's more likely to happen? Me tweeting up, me tweeting about Grey Cup fit up for the next 189 days, or Victor Butler? Playing? Playing this year, I think there's a one percent chance of both. If if my if Grey Cup fit up consists of eating cheese curds, gravy, (laughs) and French fries, then consider me a lock for the Grey Cup fit up. But uh, I guess we're ruling out we're ruling out Victor Butler, and it sounds like we're ruling out both Davis and I. I think for getting in shape uh, for this particular this 2018 edition of the Grey Cup. You ready to do some punts here, buddy? Yeah, let's talk about these. uh, Yeah, let's get let's get into these punts. And these punts. Go ahead, see ball. See, start us off. What do you got? You want me to kick yeah. off the first punt? Yeah. Okay, my first punt uh, for uh, off-season free agent signing misses. My first one might surprise some of these names. Might surprise some people here, Davis. But my first is Jamal Westerman signing with the Montreal Alouettes. And for a lot of people that lauded the Owls for this one, here's what here's what I don't like about this. He's thirty three coming off a significant injury that forced him to miss the final seven games of 2017. You're asking this guy to anchor and be a big part of this defense to turn things around in 2018. And I'm just thinking it might feel like a big ask for a lot of money for a guy coming off a big injury. Wow. That's so you're, you're thinking that's, that's a over, that's a overpay for the owls and you, you wouldn't pay that much for a, for a 33-year-old defensive lineman coming off an injury? I just, to me at this stage, yeah, at 33, I mean, the Owls obviously had the money to spend. Mm -hmm. I mean, they went out and they spent a lot of it, Tommy Campbell, Mitchell White, and then to bring in Jamal Westerman. I mean, Westerman doesn't have to carry the team, but obviously they're expecting him to have a huge impact on changing things up front for this this defensive unit. And I think when you're coming off a significant injury, I mean... Mwamba got cut and he was healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, in this case here, it just, it feels like a big ask for Jamal Westerman and the Montreal Alouettes based on what happened last year with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Give me 10 sacks. Give me 10, 11 sacks and a fear of a quarterback always having to know where Jamal Westerman is on the field and, and it's, it's worth, it's worthwhile. Uh, have an injury, have an injury, because as we know, when you get up in your 30s, it just happens. And now if he only can play 8, 12, 13 games and the Owls don't make the playoffs, then I, then I, it's a punt. It's a punt for me as well. But if he if he gets 10, yeah, if he gets 10 sacks and, and he gets 10 sacks and he's on the win. field a lot, it's a win. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Then, then that, then that, they, they proved me wrong and, and I, and you know what? then I hope I'm proven wrong in that case because that's a win for the Owls. That's a huge win for Westerman. That's money well spent in that case. But the likelihood of that happening this year, 10 sacks from a guy coming off a significant injury at 33, well, it's the old Dwayne Casey line. The Raptors head coach used to always say to me, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. What about you? What's your first punt, sir? Oh, My punt is... uh... Is only a punt for the for the CFL. It's a it's a touchdown for for these guys, but it's a punt for our league, and that's good 
young coaches that are leaving. An another one this week in Carson Walsh, who is who is now and good on Carson Walsh, offensive coordinator with the Edmonton Eskimos, has gotten a job as a Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles assistant wide receivers coach. He'll work with Doug Peterson out there. Now, uh, that's also that's a week after we hear Marcus Brady uh, is also gone down to the Indianapolis Colts. These are two young guys, um, and, and that's it's that's a punt because we're lo losing two good young coaches in this league. But uh, that's that's a direct indication our league and the things that are being done up here, and this is on the offensive side of the ball, are being noticed. And when you look at the, these guys, are they're interviewing for these jobs, but. You could guarantee that the Eagles and the Colts are pulling up some film and they're going to look at things. Like, I'll tell you what's important. They'll look at offensively because these are two offensive coordinators. They'll look at things like spacing. They'll look at things like timing. Um, they'll look at the, when they look at the film, they'll look at the offenses that these gentlemen deploy and they'll look at those things. And when they see that consistency, they see spacing, they see timing. Right there, um, they know that these coaches. Um, are doing a good job uh, with their groups, and and I think that's a that's a good sign for the, the brand of football that's being played up here and, and the job these guys are doing, and also the players, uh, the players on those teams to go out there and execute uh, sharp, sharp, good football. That's a win. That's a that's a win for the league, is it not? Well, it is because it's it shows it it shows that there's a lot of good good players and good coaches and talent up here. We talk about talent. It's not always players, but there's talent in the league as a whole when you talk about front office, when you talk about coaches and players. But when you lose those guys, uh, you know, the reality is the guys that are going to probably fill those spots aren't going to be as good right, you know, right off the top. And so, you know, you're losing talented guys in the NFL, and there's a good chance that good young coaches like that won't be coming back. And if and once they're down the NFL – if they do leave, they're gonna they're gonna leave to a college job probably. And another thing too, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the, the common denominator between these two guys, and that's the teams they come from. What's what's the common denominator? Two strong offensive head coaches that these men work under. Uh, Mark Tressman, um, obviously Marcus Brady with Mark Tressman in Toronto, and Carson Walsh with Jason Moss in Edmonton. Both of these coaches had a lot to do uh, with the offensive side of the ball along with those guys so um, they had a, a, a big part of the offense and were instrumental in you know in, in building developing these guys as coaches so uh, we'd be remiss to not give um, you know these coaches uh, a tip of the cap for um, developing these young coaches and also you know what they've what they've done for um, you know, they've shown you look at the trickle down effect from what Mark Tressman's done and just use Tressman here as maybe the new sort of, you know, the, the Mark Tressman sort of family tree, so to speak, of coaches. A year before, look at Scott Milanovic, who finally gets his rub to go down to the National Football League from a coaching standpoint. Obviously, he was down there as a player, but Milanovic goes down as quarterbacks coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And how many people, how many football observers laughed at the scenario that he was inheriting with Blake Bortles. And you look at where they went. They went to the AFC Championship game. And I bet every single Jag to a man looks at that AFC Championship against the Patriots and felt 
we let one get away. We should have won that game. One hundred percent. Basically, a quarter. They were a quarter away from getting, or you know, five minutes away, essentially, from getting to the Super Bowl. So, you know, tip of the cap to Scott Milanovic, and you know, that's a that's, hey, man, that's. I think there's a little bit of it's a bit of a win for the league when you're starting to see those guys, and you don't want to necessarily lose talent all the time to the National Football League, but I think you you definitely sense that. You know, I think teams. And fan bases can certainly feel like it's a bit of a win. And I, I use this as an example, Ches, and you could probably speak to this um, with a guy like Adam Big Hill. You know, when he went down this year to the New Orleans Saints, and I think a lot of Lions fans here, where I am in the Vancouver area, you know, they felt like that was a small victory for them to see. Hey, you know, good guy deserves the opportunity. And look what Cam Wake has done in terms of raising awareness for the Canadian Football League over the last 10 years. What he's done after those two dominating years here in the CFL and then became one of the most one of the most ferocious pass rushers in the National Football League for the better part of the last decade. No doubt. And Blake Bortles, to add to that extension, who would have said before this season started, before Scott Milanovic went down there as the quarterback coach, who would have ever thought that we would be saying right now, that Blake Bortles signs a three-year, $54 million extension after this season. So that's uh, Scott's got to have a big part part of that. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. Um, so, uh, same, probably the same people that thought that Nick Foles was going to win a Super Bowl this year as, as a starting quarterback for the Eagles, right? Those are the same people that probably would have predicted that. All right, my good next, you ready guys, for my next pump? Those guys. Happy for those guys, and, and congrats, congrats yeah. to those two, two good guys, too, Carson. Carson, uh, and Marcus. Uh, Davis, my second punt is another guy you played with before. So I'm basically going to have all your former besties hate on me here. But uh, Jerome Messam is my second punt. How is Jerome uh, Messam a punt? <laughs> Jerome Messam has gone to the Riders. Why is Jerome Messam a punt? Or is it the Riders are a punt? Well, and, and, this, and this is why. And, and this may raise a few eyebrows on this one. But here's the thing. Two numbers come to mind. He's 33 come opening day in 2018 and his yards per carry has dropped over a full yard uh, from 2016. So in 2016, Jerome Messam, every time he touched the football, he averaged 5.8 yards per carry. 5.8, close to six yards per carry. In 2017, that dropped down to 4.7. That's over a yard every time he touched the ball. And he's 33. I don't see that number climbing this year. I don't see that going north. I see that going south in that sort of scenario. That's why I think this might turn out to be a miss here in Saskatchewan for Jerome Messam. But he doesn't have to carry the team. But I am concerned about where he's at age-wise. There are some personnel execs that suggest that his knees might be shot, Chaz. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. I do know that, you know, when you're his age, and I'll agree with you to to a point here. When you're when you're at that age, uh, your best years are probably behind you. But here's why it's a win. It's a win because Jerome Messam gives you that flexibility, and you have you you know you have Thigpen back there. You have Christian Jones. Um, you have Marshall. Uh, you have Trent Richardson. Now it's it'll be running back by committee. So if Jerome is back at that six yards a clip and he is healthy, 
And he will be motivated. There is no doubt about it. He will be motivated. And skeptics will say, yes, he's older. Yes, he's been banged up. I will say, I will look, look at it directly into a competitor, which Jerome is. And because of that, he'll have that fire for one year for sure. Who knows after that? But this year, he'll come in in great shape. He'll come in motivated because he knows he's on a year-to-year basis with his contract. You know that. When you're an older guy, you know that you're on a year-to-year uh, contract. And, you know, that money, those checks are nice. So believe me, on a championship team, with a, they'll have a bunch of backs, so they'll be able to rotate guys in. And keep them fresh. So I, I like I like the sign. I get where you're coming from, um, but I like the signing. All right, what do you got for your second one then? I'm going I'm going with another uh, another former teammate, Anthony Calvillo, who is this week is is uh, been said to uh, be taking over Marcus Brady's job as the offensive coordinator in Toronto with the Argonauts and back reunited with Mark Tressman. This man has 455 touchdown passes in his career. He has 80,000 yards or almost 80,000 total yards. Anthony Calvillo, obviously a Hall of Famer. Uh, it would have been nice. The, and the punt is that it would have been nice for AC to, to find a way uh, for AC to, to uh, right, the, right the wrongs in, in Montreal in regards to his coaching career and, and try to turn that thing around. And I think, you know, if he goes now uh, to Toronto under Mark Tressman, you know, learns he got thrown in there. Uh, in Montreal, way too early to be a coordinator. There's just there's just so much, so many things you have to juggle as an OC. He didn't have, and the biggest thing is having. You have to have your your playbook. You have to have your system. You can't just pull yank plays. You have to have systems. And I don't think AC had enough time to implement his system to develop his system. And, and, and then and you look at it. I, I can go to the. I'll go to the NFL for example. And. Uh, how many players, you know, first top five picks you hear about all the busts, you know, top five picks and, and their busts, top 10 picks and their busts. But yet so many NFL quarterbacks, guys who are picked in the late first round or early second round play for 10 years. Why is that? Are all the are all the scouts missing something when they take those guys, the top five picks? No, they're going to teams. Uh, example, maybe Aaron Rodgers, a good example of um, um Big Ben Roethlisberger is a good example. These guys were all a little bit later picks, but they went to organizations that were established where they could sit there and 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 I and that's the same thing that I think about Anthony's situation. He got thrown he got thrown to the wolves a bit, and he wasn't allowed to um, to develop. and And unfortunately, um, it didn't work out in Montreal. That's a punt. The Alouette's not finding a way. He's adored by fans in Montreal. It's a punt for the Owls to not. Uh, find a way. And I understand the move, but it just—I hate to see that he's got to go somewhere else. You know, to be to be a great coach, he's got to go somewhere else to 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 possibly do that. And that's uh, uh, for Alouettes fans. I, I don't I don't like that. I wish Anthony would have would have had an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I, I'll say I'll say this conversely to that punt. That might be the best punt ever, because to get AC out of Montreal as a coach. I don't think Anthony Calvillo would ever have been able to shake in the aura of Anthony Calvillo, the player, from the coach. I think there would always be that aura and that sort of stigma attached to him to really have a hard time. The expectations would always be, 
you expect greatness. It'd be like Joe Montana trying to step in uh, to San Francisco all of a sudden as, as being, you know, taken over as a coach in that sort of role. Like it's just, it's just too high profile a position, especially with the team and the, in the, the flux and the dysfunction that they've been in. It was just too much. And I, I think for him to go into a role where he's going to be quarterbacks coach in Toronto, um, that seems to be a much better scenario for him going with guys he trusts, guys who know him that will let him grow and mature. I mean, that's that's a phenomenal situation to work and learn under Mark Tressman and help kind of put together his system in place. You, know, you look at Dave Dickinson, who's become one of the great coaches in the CFL now, who was one of the great quarterbacks in the history of the CFL. You know, Dave was able to marinate and marinate properly and almost with a form of anonymity um, because the stamps were relatively successful. Great point. That's, that's it. You know, that's it. Look at look at look at AC. Like you know, AC. It was just like, man, we need something. We need to sell tickets. We need to do something. We need to get AC on the sideline. Whether but whatever. It just it just it felt desperate. It felt too urgent for him to to learn as a coach, and that's too much. And that's why I think for him going to Toronto, I think this is a best case scenario for AC because. Now, here's the other thing. You don't really have much of a spotlight in, in Toronto as well, from especially from a coach's standpoint or an assistant coach's standpoint. You know, he's going to be able to just kind of mind his own business and go through the day-to-day in relative anonymity. And for Anthony Calvillo to finally get into a spot where he can properly groom as a coach, if this is what his heart so desires then thumbs up. And he was I think this is a good I think it's a great call. And he, you know what James too Anthony wasn't even allowed to grow as a coach once he was the quarterback's coach as an assistant to the Jacques. It wasn't it wasn't even a great environment and Jacques and it's not because Jacques not a good offensive coach he he is. The issue is though Jacques you know knows Jacques system. Jacques has a very intricate offensive system. It takes a lot of time to learn. So he was only remember Jacques came in, took over for Anthony, you know, late in, late in that 2016 season. They kept Anthony's system, not Jacques, because they took a lot of Jacques' plays, but they still used Anthony's system just because they didn't have enough time with that much uh, time remaining in the season to to fully change the offensive system. So Jacques, Jacques kept Anthony's, but just put a couple of his own touches into it. And then in 2017, so you know, Jacques flipped it back over and put in put in his whole system. So really, Anthony in 16 had his his own system that he was working with for the first year. In 17, he was working on Jacques' system and not developing his own system or trying to build his own system. He was busy trying to learn a very, and by all accounts, a very intricate, um, difficult system to learn as Jacques Chapdelaine. So not only you know that's another reason why he wasn't been able to develop and 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 why it will be great to be under Trespin where he already knows the foundation of that system and can kind of you know hop in there hop in there moving what a mess what a mess for him to have to try. how do you learn you know you you've got information overload how do you get any sort of consistency and develop something Ad- this is Adderall this is yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i i think it's this, you know, in a big picture, this is a win for, I think, Anthony Calvillo's coaching career, getting out of Montreal because, you know, I think it's hard for that market to separate Anthony Calvillo, the player, from Anthony Calvillo, the coach. I think that's just... It's only a win if be. he can come back. 
at some point in time, he comes back as a head coach, brings the city a championship, yeah. or brings some success and some stability yeah. back to that city. He wants to be in Montreal. It's, he's not a guy who wants to be in Toronto. He's very he's a he's a big family guy. He's his his wife is from there. His daughters yeah. grew up there. He does not want to be in Toronto. He's going there and saying, hey, I'm going to put in a couple years in Toronto, maybe even a year, but I'll put in a couple years in Toronto here, learn, grow as a coach, and then I'm going to go back to Montreal and be the, be the head coach or be the OC in the city that I love and where the fans love me. Yeah, and you know what? But, and, and hopefully it all works out, but you know, just, take a, just take a couple years to go and get yourself sorted. Get, get, get your system in place. Get, get comfortable where you don't have to sit there and feel like you're under siege. It's like, what are you looking at, coach? It's like, well, let me figure out what I'm doing here first. So this, he's got a couple of years now. It's kind of been a, a bumpy road to say the least. This is going to allow for some stability, I think, here. Two good quarterbacks to work with, too. That's the other thing. He's got legitimate quality quarterbacks. He's got Ricky Ray. To, you know, think about that quarterback meeting now. Think about that quarterback meeting with Ricky Ray, Anthony Calvillo, and then you bring in a young guy like James Franklin. If the, I, I don't know if there's a possibility for a guy who's an heir apparent like James Franklin to learn from two of the goats, man. And what about Tress? Two of the greatest ever. And Mark Tressman. And Mark Tress. Oh, yeah. And, 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 Mark, and sharpest, Mark Tressman, too. sharpest yeah. offensive mind to, to grace the CFL and maybe ever. And I throw him in the mix, too. That's, uh, that's yeah. a pretty good meeting room. Uh, uh, so, James Franklin, and this is not to be critical. It's just like just to keep it real. You're not the smartest guy in the room in this meeting. You won't be the smartest guy in the room in that meeting. At least not right now. Maybe you turn into the greatest quarterback ever, but Mark Tressman, Ricky Ray, Anthony Calvillo, James Franklin, James, you're gonna you're just gonna have to you're just going to have to buy in for the next that's, that's not that's have. not James Franklin's DNA, so he's all good. He's not he's not worried about being the I'd smartest say that guy. In jest. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no no. I, I'd say that in jest. Okay, here's my here's my third punt here, uh, Chez. And here's another one that I've heard a lot of people raving about this one, and I'm still just trying to piece it all together. My third one, Nick Dembski. Nick Dembski. I, I just here's what I'm trying to figure out. This seems, does this, is it me or is this not too much money for a receiver who hasn't caught more than 37 passes in a season? I mean, maybe I'm going to look silly here and this guy proves me wrong, but nine games, 19 catches in 2017, one touchdown. I need to see more. I just need to see more before this thing is lauded as a home run signing like so many people have crowned this as. I, I This, to me, it's it's more of a what, what he can do, all the different things that Nick Dembski brings to that offense as, as a Canadian and as a guy who has a, a lot of different skills. I think that's, to me, James, what it is. That doesn't – I'm with you. I, I'm with you. Everyone's, you know – crowning this as such a, a huge signing. I think mo- most of it, it the overhype is from, is from that. It, he could do it. Nick Dembski can do a lot of different things. And I'm not – like the numbers don't warrant the contract probably, but what Nick, Nick Dembski can do for that offense and the skills he brings, they do warrant the contract. Yeah, okay. I just – it feels like it's a lot of money I got for a you. guy yeah. who just – yeah. You know, he's young, and, and you know what? Maybe he's, tre- maybe he's trending in the right direction, but I just – But what do you got to do? What do you got to do, though? You want to get 
good young players, you, if you get you yep. sign them before they're you know once they've already had you know a thousand a thousand yards, they're you know they're going to cost you. You're not going to be able to afford them. So sometimes you got to step out, and 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 for that reason, I think it's it's got to be a decent move. Well, as as Jeepers Creepers, one Jeff Creeper made an excellent point. Free agency is generally about overspending to begin with. So there, there, there you go. Congrat! You know what? Hey, and and I don't begrudge any of these guys for getting paid the way they have. Good for all of them. You know who else likes getting paid, Chaz? You? Every well, of course, everybody likes getting paid. Exactly. You're a hater, though. You're a hater. Look at your list. Look at your list. Look at your list of punts. Westerman, Messam, Dembski, three good Canadian players, all getting their paper because that's what the market. That's what the market is. For those ratio breaking Canadians, and you're chopping them down. I mean, Sabalski, I gotta tell you, man. You know why? You know why? Sometimes keeping it keeping it real goes wrong. Well, you know why? This it's because they're they're taking money out of James Wilder Jr.'s pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Look at look at look at James Wilder Jr. had to go through in the stand. He had the hill he tried to nearly die on, so he could finally get paid like these guys. Um, hey, and all the, you know what? All three of these guys have an excellent opportunity to make me look ridiculous this year and prove me wrong. But I think two of them are big veteran tickets uh, that they're hoping that both those respective teams are hoping that they can, you know, uh, bring more of what they've been doing for the better part of the last years. And I think you're buying and hope with Nick Dembski, who I think you're seeing potential but let's see if that potential can be realized because the numbers don't necessarily tell me that there's, you know, you're spending a lot of money on just, you know, hopefully there's more return uh, than, than just 19 catches. Right. So with, with a small roster, yeah, I'm with you. I understand where you're going with these, with a small roster, uh, you know, these guys that provide some flexibility to provide ratio flexibility, um, they're extremely valuable, and that's why you know you're not you're not alone to say that these guys may um, may have got overpaid. But it's it's because of what the flexibility they bring, which you're obviously aware of. Buddy, always a good time. Nice to catch up this week, and uh, I'll get back to your Grey Cup fit up. Um, get a job. Hey, listen, bro. Uh, <laughs> what we got here? Situation is. Yeah. Uh, we got CFL power rankings came out. Let's talk, let's talk about them next week. Hey, we got uh, yeah. power rankings that have come out. The Nissan CFL power rankings. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a little hint. Who's number one? Uh, the team has lots of red. There's a horse on the uniform, and they've lost nine straight Grey Cups. <laughs> and they start. But with I'm not going to give it away. They start with a C, ends with a Y, and in the middle, Alger. We'll dive, we'll dive into that. Do you want to do you yeah, want to do, do, do you want do you want to look at, at what the league has for their first power rankings? Do you want to come up with we won't tell each other. We'll just do what we did last year and just kind of do sort of our off-season power rankings. Like as of right now and see where our teams are at and compare them next week? Yeah, yeah, we could do that. We okay. could do that. We, we could look at we, we, could, it, yeah. we could look we, we could look at this and uh, and give our give some opinion on uh, on what we think about this. I uh this is interesting. Okay, so uh, we also, uh, as we close out uh, our conversation this week, and Charleston Hughes is going to join us here momentarily, uh, we also want to kind of... How about it's, this? It's one, kind of one, more mixed thing. one more thing, James. Yeah. One more thing before we go into that. Uh, you, said, you said something about being the smartest man in the room. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. 
one way to, to check if you're definitely not the smartest man in the room, okay? This is, a, this, is, this is how to tell you if you're not the smartest man in the room. If you don't know who the number nine team is on the power rankings right now, you're definitely not the smartest man in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Man, that was, that was cold-blooded. That was cold-blooded. And it's not Halifax. That was cold-blooded. That was cold-blooded. Cold, yeah, it was cold-blooded. That was – look at you turn, drinking a big glass of Haterade all of a sudden. Um, I didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing. Go no, ahead. We'll no, go you ahead. didn't. No, you didn't. Uh, all right. Uh, we do want to say it's kind of a mixed emotions here. We're happy for this, mm-hmm. uh, for this guy, uh, for the opportunity. He's had a lot of good things going on in his world, and he's got an exciting new opportunity presented to him. But selfishly speaking – it sucks for us because we're losing a real good one. Max Rosenberg is uh, is leaving us from the CFL.ca team. And, uh, man, Chez, you worked closely with Max for the last uh, couple of years, especially with CFL this week. But Max has been behind the scenes. He is the mad scientist. Uh, a guy who's, if you follow the CFL on Twitter, on Instagram, um, he's the guy, man. This is a, this is a, he's been a glue guy behind the scenes for a lot of us. But also high-profile in front of the camera too with you buddy yeah max is uh everything involved at the league office that uh, any of us do max has a big part of and he'll uh he'll be greatly missed he's uh he's a good dude he's uh congrats on him and his wife uh their new their daughter georgia and he's uh he's moved on to a a new a new career that's uh that helps him spend more time with his daughter and uh, betty better for his family life but he's He's a CFL guy through and through and uh, and a big part of the CFL family. And, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Everybody will miss Max. I'm sure we'll, we'll see his funny bow ties and his funny head around. But uh, he's, uh, he's someone that every, everyone has a lot of love for. If you see that guy on TV, the funny bow ties, that's Max. He's, uh, he's salt of the earth, as, as, good as, they, yeah. as good as they get. Yeah, he basically, he basically channeled his inner Jerome Messam and couldn't agree to terms with the CFL and signed elsewhere as a free agent. <laughs> and, we, and we wish him well man max uh you're a good one thank you very much for everything buddy you're uh you're one of the real good guys in this profession and good people in this uh in this profession and the and the cfl and everybody at cfl.ca and and chez and i both on here on the waggle got nothing but love for you man all the best he's chez i'm balls charleston hughes new saskatchewan rough rider joins us next right here on the waggle All right, he is one of the most ferocious defensive players in the Canadian Football League, and he's been that way for the better part of the last decade. We've been so used to this guy rolling in red, and now i got to get used to seeing this guy in green. Charleston Hughes from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders joins us. Welcome to the Waggle, sir. Oh, thanks for having me. How does that feel, like wearing green now? Does that, does that feel a little weird still? Um, yeah, it was, it was weird. It was more weirder before I put the green on, but now that I have it on, I, I, I think I can get used to this. It's funny where it kind of speaks to the business of it, right? Where you go hating a team, I'm sure, having this fierce rivalry with a team, and then all of a sudden now it's like, what? I'm on their side? It's like kind of sleeping with the enemy a little bit, isn't it, Charleston? Yeah, that's kind of how I thought about it, too. Is Man, I've been so good for so long, and, you know, I've I've sack, had a lot of my sacks on Saskatchewan, and now when it's like, all right, now I'm playing for him. It's like, hey, it's one of those, if you can't beat him, join him. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or in this case, for, but this is more for Saskatchewan's case. This guy's been beating the crap out of us for so long. We need him on our side now. So I can yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can understand why they watch you. So, okay, it was a crazy day in the CFL back on that Friday to kick off the month of February. Um, and you, you know, you first off, uh, we look on social media and it's like, you're a tie cat and it's like, whoa. And then, whoa, wait a minute. You're a rider. Um, how did this all go down for you? How did you find out? Did you, did you know that the finality was that you were going to be a rider or did you find out like it was one move at a time? It's like, I'm a tie cat. Now I'm a rider. Like what happened in your world on that Friday? Man, it was more one at a time, man. Like I wasn't really aware where I was going to be playing or, or how it was going to play out. All I know is, is I was a tie cat for 30 seconds, and then now I'm, uh, I'm a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. So, I mean, I guess it worked out in the end because, you know, I'm, I'm with a group of people that I'm kind of familiar with and know. Um, they got a lot of players that I play with with the Stamps, and I've been playing with the coaching staff, so a lot of the coaching staff when we play with Calgary. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not as bad as it seems, so. I guess I, I can be comfortable with the way the fans and stuff are treated. I think when you look at the personnel that you're surrounded with with Saskatchewan, I think a lot of people would say, man, what a great scenario to land in. But at the same time, when you put so much of your heart and soul with a team like you did with Calgary, does it initially feel like a bit of a punch in the gut? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a little punch in the gut, man. I mean, like I said, I didn't really expect it to happen that way, and I didn't anticipate playing for nobody else this year i had all intentions to play with calgary and you know to walk into the walk and see that i've been traded somewhere else um you know it happens i mean i put in 10 years with calgary so i guess they felt like the time to part ways was now <laughs> did you know something was coming like had they talked to you to say hey would you you know maybe consider readjusting your contract or like was there spider sense tingling at all on your end uh, no, like I, like I said, I didn't have no, I was in the dark the whole time. So I didn't have no, you know, heads up about what was going to happen or what might happen or come on, let's, let's talk, let's talk numbers about taking a pay cut or anything like that. But I didn't get none of that. So it was just, maybe, uh, maybe it was a last minute decision. I, like, I really, I really don't know. All I know is, is I'm in, I'm in green now. So that's really all I care about as long as I can continue to play football continue to perform at a high level, whether whether it was with one team or another, well, now I found a home. So who calls you first, or how do you find out the first move? Um, I got a call from uh, John Murphy, then I got a call from Chris Jones right after. So once they, once they called me and told me that I'm a Saskatchewan Rough Rider now, I knew it was official. Did you not believe it at first? Um, I didn't. I didn't believe it at first, and then well, – like I said, once they found the opportunity that they can come, they can come get me and and play me on the other side of, you know, Willie Jefferson. I mean, it's a it's, it's really a no brainer, right? To yeah. have the the two top defensive ends, you know, who finished at the top for CFL, you know, All Star, the two best ends in the league, you know, on one team. Um, you know, it's, you you wouldn't believe it happened, but oh yeah, it happened. <laughs> have you come up with a nickname yet for you guys? I have not, but I've been hearing some brewing out there. 
<laughs> right, yeah, exactly. The dynamic duo or, some, or something edgy, something kind of funky. Right, yeah, you know something's coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a marketing campaign. Somebody, Some Saskatchewan fans got to start selling T-shirts out of the back of their car at some point in time. To make, and, maybe, and maybe give Charleston a cut or else you're going to have to deal with that mean face if he starts scowling at you. So, um, <laughs> hey, Charleston, tell me this. I, it's funny to think, like, I remember going years back and when I had an opportunity to go work at TSN at the time years ago, I remember my eventual boss had called me and, the, you know, from a number standpoint, I registered. I thought it was my buddy just messing with me. And so I was kind of like, I wasn't buying what the guy was saying. I just thought it was my buddy putting on a voice and just like, did you know it was John Murphy right from the get go? Or did you think like, is this a prank call here? Oh, no, no, no. I knew I knew it was John Murphy from the get go. So okay. the minute he called, you know, me and Joe, I mean, me and, uh, We've all been good good friends for a while, and me and John Murphy and me and Chris Jones, you know, we all have each other's number. So, <laughs> so seeing seeing the call come through the phone, it was like, oh wow, I think I'm getting retraded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh oh, what happened here? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So tell me this: we got a, we got a lot of listeners uh, that are Stamps fans, and we've got a lot of listeners that are Ryder fans. So to kind of close the book on a Calgary standpoint first. Uh, what are you going to miss most about the Stamps or Calgary? Really, really just the fans, man. You know, I, I, I'm going to miss the fans a lot, especially because, you know, I kind of knew a lot of the fans and I knew who all the, the diehard fans are and all, all the, all the you know, fans that cook cookies for and have cookies ready for, you know, all of the players after practice, man. That's stuff that really, I, I'm pretty sure I'll get the same thing in Saskatchewan, but you know, it was something that I was used to and accustomed to being in Calgary for so long. So just being there and just being around my teammates that were there, you know, I grew a good bond with, you know, Brandon Smith. We both put in 10 years there together. So to not be able to look behind me and see Brandon Smith not behind me anymore, you know, it'll be weird on the field now. I mean, me and Brandon Smith were, you know, we came in together in 08 as rookies. We were teammates the whole time we were roommates though the, the most of the time we were there so to be and we played right next to each other on the field together so it was like hey i can't look to my side and laugh at you when you're tired anymore hey you guys set in the last two years with calgary two of maybe the best statistical seasons in regular season history in the canadian football league and then you guys come up short in two of the wildest gray cup games played in recent memory why didn't it click in the biggest game for you guys, the back-to-back years? Uh, yeah, man. To lose to lose back-to-back in a great cup like that, you don't really see that happening too often. Oh. Usually if you miss it the first time, you get it the second time. And, you know, we lost back-to-back, and it wasn't, you know, a great feeling. <laughs> I'll tell you that, you know, all the way from the top of the organization all the way down to the bottom and – I'm sure they're going to be motivated. I'm sure they're going to be motivated. They'll be just motivated. Although the team will be different over there, and you know, and I'm sure they'll be still motivated to win. So, mm. so tell me about this life as a rider. Now, I, I read somewhere during your introductory news conference in Regina that you went, said something along the lines like, "I went from working out in a shed to an actual gym. This feels like a rejuvenation." Um, talk to me about where you're going to now. 
Um, you know, I've been I've been here for all of about twenty four hours right now, and I realize you know I'm kind of taking it in. Everybody's talking about the cold weather in here, and I don't really, I still don't find it that cold. Um, but like I said, I, I, I'm liking wearing green. I'm walking around in green right now, um, and just being in Calgary in general, I went and got a workout in in the gym that I was talking about the whole time to actually get a feel for the weights and make sure they all work. And you know what? The weights work fine. Uh, the poles didn't break. So <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Safety first. Everything you're, you're finding all the positives in the early going. Like, you're going to be like the mayor of Regina in no time here, sir. Um, so in terms of, you talked about familiarity they have, you, the excitement of playing alongside Willie Jefferson. Do you feel like this is a Grey Cup contending team, like this is a team to win now? They go out and they bring in Zach Caleros as well. Uh, where do you see this team this year? Oh, hands down, man. Hands down, I see it's a Grey Cup winning team, man. I can, I can kind of get that feel already, and I know the minute we all get into a, a locker room together and we all, you know, start – believing in each other and knowing that, hey, we can do this this year, you know, as a group and with all the weapons we got, there's no reason we shouldn't win. Uh, who was the first rider uh, player to call you or reach out or message you? Uh, the first one to message me was Zach Claros. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, yeah. Did you have a Claros relationship was the first with one to message um, Yeah, we, we, we spoke a couple of times, and, you know, he knows me just as good as I know him, and just us being teammates like that would be – we both fought, we both found it was uh, an awesome scenario for the both of us. Well, I would think if I was Zach Caleros, uh, you know, after you trying to, you know, chase – beat the crap out of him so many times behind an offensive line, I would think that he'd want to play nice with you as soon as possible, saying – it's nice to have you on my side for a change. Yeah, oh yeah, I know, man. So it was like, who would have known? <laughs> <laughs> who knew? So, so does this, as a guy, look, hey, man, you've been around the block. You've been a champion. You've, you've been an all-star. You know, you, you've kind of been to the top of the mountain. Does this add a whole new rejuvenation for you going into 2018? I mean, it does, man. For one, I get to, I get to lead the league in, in sacks with a, with a different team. <laughs> other than uh, other than uh, other than Calgary, I mean, it's like start. It's like pretty much starting all over again. I gotta learn all. I gotta learn all a whole new playbook. I gotta learn, you know, how the person next to me plays. I mean, they gotta learn how I play. I mean, we gotta find a way to to start clicking as a defense and how to start clicking as a team. Really, do you think Willie's going to be able to accept <clears throat> working alongside the guy who's going to lead the league in sacks? I mean, yeah, that's that's more motivate. That's more motivation for him. I mean, just as much as it was motivation last year, it's going to be just as much this year. I mean, we're going to push each other. I've I've been in situations before where it's me and my teammate battling for you know, the league lead in sex. I was in the same situation with Cadero Law. I mean, we I had I had eighteen, he had sixteen. So it was like, all right, we went back to back. <laughs> do you do you pay so so it's fair to say that you pay attention to the numbers then? Oh yeah, I pay I mean you gotta pay attention to the numbers. If you're not if you're not putting up numbers, that means you're not winning games. <laughs> and you're not winning individual battles, so you got to pay attention to your numbers. You got to pay attention to if, whether you're improving or you're you're on a decline. I mean, and from my numbers, I'm I'm doing nothing but improving. So all I can do is just keep focus on getting better, 
key focus on winning games and really focus on winning this great cup. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you've been so close the last two years. I mean, three times a charm, right? Oh, man, it better be. It should be a fun season. Hey, congratulations, by the way. I mean, I, do I congratulate you on becoming a rider? Or is that, like, what do you say? What's the proper thing when somebody gets traded? Hope you're okay? Uh, well, 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 I'm still I'm still playing football. I still got all my teeth. So <laughs> I guess I guess that's the best way to put it. I'm sitting here right now in a, in a restaurant and – Saskatchewan, Regina, uh, eating dinner, and I'm looking at all these green jerseys around. So, might as well get one of mine up there, right? All right. So, what are you what are you crushing? If somebody if somebody's gonna wants to buy Charleston Hughes lunch or dinner, what's 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 his go to right now? What what are you crushing? Um, just a burger, just a, a nice good burger. You're you're a burger guy. That's that's true blue collar yeah, Michigan yeah. right there. Yeah, I'm a burger guy. As long as I can get a nice good tasting burger. With great flavor, you know, that's all I really care about. Bacon? And, yeah, and the simple fact that I'm in this restaurant, and there is a Calgary jersey in this restaurant, Come too. That's Come what's on. weird. <laughs> I, it's, hang, it's hanging on the wall. That's weird. <laughs> some, guy named Bob po- some guy named Bob Poley. And I'm sitting there looking at number 57, and his autograph. But it's all the way in the back by the back door. <laughs> How is that? St- Above the... Uh, Above the kitchen. How is that place still in business in Regina? I don't know. I'm more su- I'm more surprised than you are. Yeah, we there's got, two Saskatchewan jerseys and one Calgary jersey. Well, there you go, <laughs> Ryder fans. Go go replace it with a green Hughes jersey right now. Number thirty nine, right, Charleston? <laughs> yeah, go replace it right now. Thanks for doing this. Uh, all the best this year, and uh, let's do, let's do this again real soon. For people that uh, that are Charleston fans and they want to connect with you more, uh, where can they find you on social media, Charleston? Uh, they can find me at Charlie Shreds on Twitter. Charlie Shreds, <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Instagram too? Uh, not on Instagram. Well, you better remedy that. Oh yeah, I need to. Just Charlie Shreds on Twitter. You're not that old. Come on, get your Instagram game going. Oh yeah, I know, I know, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Hughes joining us this week here on the Waggle. Thanks, man.